Hello and welcome to the Boot Room Podcast with me, Jamie Home. Now we're back for a second podcast of the week, but this one's going to be slightly different. As we mentioned on previous podcasts, we're going to be running a series of new podcasts called Boot Room Talks, where we'll invite guests on from within football and media to tell their story. This week, I'm going to focus on a club that's very close to my own heart, Cabinteely FC. Now, the club were granted League of Ireland status in 2015. Their first team currently sits fourth in the SSE Airtricity First Division. And most importantly, it's the club that my son plays for. I help coaches on the nines team. And as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I play for the over 35s team. So as you can imagine with that, I'm, I'm heavily invested in the club and, and its future success. So with that, I'm delighted to say that joining me tonight to give me an insight into what's involved in running a League of Ireland club, it's Cabin Teeley Chairman Larry Bass. Larry, how are things? All well, Jamie. Um, delighted to actually meet you, even if it is at a distance on a podcast. But hopefully, we'll get to meet on a football pitch one of these days. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, Larry. Before we we get to the to the juicy stuff, if you can have a word with getting the over thirty fives football back on soon, that would be appreciated. We're one point away from winning the league, so any uh, any favors you can call in would be appreciated. I'm on a call with the FEI tomorrow. I'll see what I can do. I appreciate it. So uh, so from our side, thank, thanks for coming on. I know um, we've got a, a few things that we want to cover tonight, but before we dive into, I suppose, the club and the football side of things, it'd be great if you could start by maybe telling our listeners a little bit about your story away from football, because you've been able to establish a fantastic career for yourself in media and production. And you've been involved in putting together some some very well-known shows here in Ireland. So it'd be great to just give the listeners a little bit of uh, background to that. Sure. Um, I started out in life, believe it or not, as a, a DJ in the locality around here, um, aged 13 on Pirate Radio, uh, which led me into doing local discos and things. And lots of people around here probably know me from playing at their brother or sister's wedding or their own wedding or um, 21st birthday party. So that was a that was a formative part of my teenage years and early adult life. It brought me into the world of entertainment where I started becoming a sound engineer and working with bands and showbiz and doing a lot of traveling. I came back to Ireland and um, wanted to settle down. So I went back as a mature student um, to college here and studied film and broadcasting. Came out of college, ran a post-production suite for a couple of years, realized that wasn't a word for me, set up a production company to do a documentary on a band, an Irish band called Aslan. Um, okay. And that uh, documentary actually launched our TV production company. And a couple of years later, um, we we did the first ever big reality TV show in Ireland, the Irish version of Pop Stars, um, which led us into a, a pop idol type show to select Ireland's entry to Eurovision Song Contest. And we've done every type of show in between. So we've done Dragon's Den, MasterChef, The Voice, The Apprentice, um, you know, and currently our biggest well-known show is the Irish version of Strictly, uh, Dancing with the Stars. And we do other shows like Home of the Year and, um, you know, many, many shows. Um, O'Casey in the States, a documentary we did earlier this year, an arts documentary. And um, we did our first drama series this year, which actually played on UK channel Alibi. Um, it's, it was for a UK or US studio, and it was a, a female version of Sherlock Holmes called Miss Scarlet and the Duke, all set in Victorian London and all shot here in Dublin, 
which of course is a Victorian city in many ways. Wow, so it's it, there's a there's a lot of plates that you're spinning at any given one time. So I suppose from from your side, you know, you, you're obviously a busy man. You're running a successful company. You're constantly looking for, for 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 opportunities from a business perspective. I suppose have you always been a, a side of that, a sort of sports fan, a football fan? Um, I, I believe you're a West Ham fan. Yeah, happy hammer, especially this week. Um, it's been a it's been a remarkable turnaround, um, and hopefully they'll grow from there. Um, I I lived near um, West Ham, the old Upton Park, uh, when I was in London, and you know my first cousin uh, was a West Ham fan, so he dragged me along, and that was that. I think once you go to your first game, it's hard to turn around. Um, I grew up where I was surrounded by Liverpool, Everton, Man United, Arsenal fans. So the fact that I could actually be a little bit different, I think that's what attracted me. Um, and I've been sport mad. You know, I, I played football in school. I, I did a little bit of boxing, played rugby in school, um, did, uh, you know, played Gaelic football and hurling in, in national school. I'd, I'd go to Crow Park and watch Dublin playing. I'd go to the RDS and watch Leinster playing rugby. I'd go to the international matches. I'd gone to boxing matches. I was lucky to be one of the few people in the Olympic Stadium in London when Katie Taylor won an uh, Olympic gold medal. Um, mm. You know, I just love sport, and um, it's what I live for. It's what keeps me going, and I think it's the most important thing in life. Um, you know, you know. yes, it's always important to work and work hard but for me playing hard and enjoying sport is that's where I get all my kicks I, I I'd be the same if if you spend any time in my company it won't be long before I start talking football um, and, and I think everybody can vouch for that and I think in in times and we're going to come on to, to COVID later on but I suppose in times like now when you know for a lot of people sport you know, in, in what they knew it, in the form that what they knew it has been taken away from people. I think you're now starting to see the impact that it has on on communities and, and, and individual people themselves. Indeed. I mean, I, you know, I know we are going to come on to it, but for me, one of the um, most important aspects of sport is the health and welfare of all of our, you know, citizens. And I think that's why sport needs to be taken as a bigger priority by government. Um, I don't think we can have a healthy nation if we don't um, actually believe in providing correct sporting facilities for all um, people to get involved, uh, play sport and enjoy sport. And uh, I think to do that, you always need um, heroes to look up to. Um, and unfortunately, Irish football is a long way from the status it should have in terms of level of facilities and um, you know the attractions to bring people in at the very, very top level. And, and one of my burning ambitions is to see the facilities generally in um, soccer in Ireland, you know, start to grow and, and get into first world territory, not third world territory. So I think um, the position of sport uh, as a driver or for a healthy uh, economy, a healthy people um, is critical. And you need to balance the, the investment in the country across a whole range of services. Um, but one of the ways of keeping people healthy and well is to encourage them to stay fit and well. And, and sport is such an integral part of that. 
I couldn't agree more. And, and uh, I suppose one of the guys that we do the, the podcast with, usually he's uh, working as a head coach over in the States at the moment in Louisville. And he often sends us videos and tells us stories about the facilities that they have over there and how much that they invest in, you know, the, the, the players of tomorrow, but not just, you know, trying to create pathways for elite sport in, you know, sports people. It's just the, the mental side of things, it's to get kids active. It's get kids having fun, you know, away from Xboxes and Playstations, which they become so uh, consumed and accustomed to. But before we kind of go, go into that side of things, what I want to do, I want to, I suppose, try and understand a little bit about how you first got involved in Cabantilia. It certainly sounds like you, you've always been a sports fan. So, uh, you know, marrying up the business world and then trying to, to, to move into the sporting world, world makes sense. But how, how did you first get involved? Um, you know, I was I played sport as I said for many years. Growing up as a as a lad, I played for St Joseph's in Saignoggin, where I lived, and um, made a big jump um, to the next door neighbour club and Pierce Rovers. Um, I was never a fantastically brilliant um, player. Uh, I'd struggle sometimes to get on the bench, um, but I loved the game and I loved training and I loved going to games. And I always thought fair play to the guys who, you know, took the teams and trained teams. And I said, when I've got kids, you know, I look forward to doing that. Um, that'd be my way of giving back and staying involved. But unfortunately, then I, I, I was lucky enough to have uh, four fantastic children. Um, they're all adults now. Uh, but when they were growing up, um, I was building a business and trying to get that business going. And my business um, necessitates an awful lot of travel. So I never had the opportunity to, to commit to running a team or getting involved in a team. And then um, my, my, my two of my daughters played in Cabantili and one of my sons, uh, one of my sons, my only son, <laughs> um, played in Cabantili. And, you know, going over to Kilbogget, um, starting out in the Cubs on a Saturday morning, uh, all the way up um, to see him grow and, um, you know, make friends and enjoy and really look forward to getting out to the game. You know, it was it was a pleasure to go and stand at the side of the pitch and you get to know the parents and the other parents. And uh, we were new into Cabin Tidy because when, we, when I first got married, we lived in Shankill and it was when we moved into Cabin Tidy, we didn't know anybody. And one of the ways to get to know people was uh, through the football club. Um, and and we did, and uh, and it was fantastic. And I was then approached by um, my son's ex manager, who was involved in the at the board level of uh, the club. One Christmas, uh, in fact, Christmas Eve, up in the local pub, and he said, "We're thinking about putting a license application into the League of Ireland." And I thought he had had way too many drinks, and um, <laughs> you know, and but we uh, we had a conversation. I said, "Look, let's let's talk about this because um, what he was." saying to me was uh you know they were they were putting a, a an application in they wanted to strengthen the board and and um put in more business imperatives and I, I you know i just thought straight away i didn't need to think too hard about it that was something that i could bring to the club um you know from a board level i've been involved in many other boards national boards i've been involved in running a f- couple of companies both here and internationally um so i thought well that's something i can try and do so initially, I just joined the board to try and help and shepherd um, the application through, and we got the license. And then it was, you know, that mad scramble uh, to get our first team together and our squad together. Um, the first season was definitely a learning curve, um, and halfway through that season, um, the chairman at the time when we started stepped down, and I, 
I stepped in and I've been, I've been there ever since. Um, so one of the things we're looking for in the club is, you know, Captain Tidy as a small community club, you know, it, it thrives and, and it will only grow if we get, keep on um, getting new volunteers to get more involved. And that means at every level, you know, whether it's training, a, you know, the clubs on a Saturday morning or, you know, an underage team or boys and girls. We even have special needs teams. It's a huge part of the club. Um, but also to get people involved who want to get involved maybe at the board level. They can't get involved, um, you know, running a team. But, you know, perhaps they could offer up some level of expertise on the board, whether it's, you know, there's so many different pieces of expertise we can use, whether it's legal or financial or, um, you know, somebody who's good at marketing, somebody who, you know, would, would help in terms of reaching out from a corporate sponsorship point of view. All of these things are incredibly important part of playing your part in helping build a part of the community. Um, so that's how I got involved and, and it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, I have to say from a, a personal perspective, I mean, I, I played uh, professional, semi-professional football, and it feels like a long time ago now, and, and, and a lot of the clubs that, that I was involved in, you know, they would uh, they would survive, or I suppose they would focus so much around the things like cup runs, um, you know, where they could ultimately generate funds uh, that could basically pay, whether it's wages or, or facilities for a year, they would look at things like player sales, um, youth developments. Is this this is something, I suppose, uh, given the stage at the club is at now that the club focuses on? Is it very much focused on sort of developing youth um, and, and, and I suppose being able to create those pathways for young players? Well, the whole reason, uh, reason that for going in and applying for a license to go into the League of Ireland was exactly that. Um, the UEFA rules were changing across Europe. There was the introduction of the underage Champions League and under-19 level. That will continue down to under-17 level. Uh, to feed into that, UEFA were looking for each individual nation-state to develop their own national underage leagues. Um, uh, when that was going to be imminent, uh, you know, it was very quick, easy to realise that the top players in Cabinteely, and the Cabinteely had really developed as a club, um, you know, we had re- moved on in terms of creating uh, Premier League status teams at every single underage level um, and to build on that and fantastic work done by the the people who were running the club before I ever got involved. Uh, Captain Tilly came from a much smaller community-based club focused on South Dublin to being a club, you know, with top teams at every single league at the DDSL and uh, rising up into the Leinster Senior League. So there was a lot of work had been uh, invested in bringing in, uh, you know, proper coaches and real investment in trying to uh, upskill more coaches into the you know UEFA badges system um, and to really um, keep that going and keep the momentum and not have all the top players leave Cabinteely because they wanted to play National League football at underage level and you know go off to a club who are in the League of Ireland and where they could play at that very highest level that's why the club entered the League of Ireland no other reason uh, other than to create a player pathway so that any player coming into Cabin TD um, could, and if they want, play at the very highest level you can, all the way up to international level and stay playing in Cabin TD. Uh, and we see ourselves first and foremost as Cabin TD. We're a local community club, but we see ourselves also as the team that's representing the whole county of Dunleary Rathdown. Um, so that's something we want to build on. 
Um, there's a huge hinterland and there's a huge opportunity. We may be a small club today, but our ambitions are are pretty mega. Yeah, I, I think one thing that struck me, and, and and I'll be totally transparent, I fell out of love with football, um, you know, for a number of years. I think when when you've had certain things go wrong, or you know, you didn't get the contact that you, that you thought you would, or you know, you kind of become disillusioned and step away from the game. And, and I didn't play for a number of years, and and I kind of got back involved through through my son. Actually, it all kind of stemmed from the Mini World Cup. So for people listening at home, the Mini World Cup is kind of a, a community based tournament where kids from from all over Dublin I, I don't think I've ever seen a football pitch uh, football pitches with so many kids and parents watching uh, which is obviously uh, ran by Cabin Teeley and from there me and my, my son fell in love with uh, f- fell in love with football and I, I think he's uh, he's been at the club ever since um, you know and you've got such a nice balance I think between good uh, good hard working welcoming people uh you know they they really are the lifeblood of the club but then at the same time as you said you've now created an environment where elite players can progress and I mean you only have to look at the success of Jason Knight now who's playing for Derby to see that you know it is it is a path that players can can really follow and and look to progress Absolutely. Um, you know, Jason and, and the whole Knight family um, is like a, a, you know, a case story of a community club. You know, Kevin, um, Jason's older brother, plays for League of Ireland team. Um, you know, he had his own stint over in the UK, didn't work out. Um, and he's back. And, you know, he's, you know, this season, he's probably the best player on the League of Ireland team. Um, and Jason has come right through the ranks from the mini World Cup through. Um, and now he's, you know, he's some weeks up sta- upstaging Wayne Rooney and the Derby team. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I really can't see Jason's career stalling at Derby County. You know, I can see him becoming probably, um, you know, the backbone of the Irish setup in not too distant future. He's a great player, great attitude. Um, and, you know, I heard it said about Roy Keane um, early in his career that somebody described it that he just has this engine that keeps him going from box to box. And Jason's exactly the same. You know, he's he's a fantastic player. And and there's more nights to come. Um, there's, there's, you know, he's got little brothers and um, they're a family who his mum are heavily involved in the club and his dad, Paul, are heavily, is heavily involved in the club. And that's what a community club is all about. And there's so many families like that. Um, you know, that mums and dads and brothers and sisters have come through and played and some stay on volunteering and you know there are just so many families uh, in and around the club and that's the essence of what community football is and what captain tealy is and i think you know you 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 said about the mini world cup i'm not sure if there's any other tournament um not only in in ireland but probably in many parts of europe that has such a um you know fantastic um feel for kids to be involved with um, no kid goes away from that tournament without um, winning something, um, mm. and it's so. It, the whole idea is that they really, really feel they've some, they've achieved something, and it's it's not about the best kids. It's not about the you know who is the the superstars in each team. Um, we we purposely uh, operate that um, mini World Cup where you you try and make sure that the the talent is spread right around. Um, and there's boys, girls playing together. It's it's just fantastic. And we play it in June every year. Obviously, this year we couldn't because of COVID. Um, but usually you have reasonably good weather. 
and um you, you know you you start one weekend you've got uh, games on saturday and sunday and more games on tuesday and thursday evening and saturday and sunday again and tuesday and thursday and then you finish up the following saturday with all of your uh, prize giving and you know even the amount of what always strikes me is the amount of um people you know mums dads and kids who stay around pretty much all day on the saturday afternoon for the prize given which is such a fantastic way to round it all off um and and we've counted even at some stages we've over twenty thousand people will come across kilbogget while that um is going on but it couldn't happen without an army of volunteers getting the pitches ready you know looking after teams refereeing games um going out and helping to bring in sponsorship to pay for it all selling burgers you know it's and it's it's just a fun fun um brilliant thing to do and if you ever you want to get somebody to get involved in football and enjoy playing sport there is no barrier to entry into the mini world cup and people will find their own level and that's the great thing about the club at the moment there are teams at different levels underage um, and if you want to be serious and, and play at the very highest level there's teams there for that if you just want to play you know get out and play with your friends there's teams for that um you know and that's what the the club is all about um a place for everyone yeah it's it's funny my my son's football journey literally started with it and i remember his first ever ever tournament he got his free t-shirt and we took a photo of him and we've took photos every year since and i remember the first time i'll be honest he couldn't kick a ball but he tried so hard and he felt involved and he was running around chasing and and trying to trying to get stuck in and obviously he's progressed then over the, over the last few years and he was lucky enough one year they they won it and he still talks about that now as the, his best moment in football. He have his, has his trophy up on the wall. It's it's the absolute highlight. And I think for you, you know, as chairman, who's clearly mapped out a vision for the club, you know, you've mentioned two things there, you know, the case in point in Jason Knight going on to, to start what we hope and think will be a successful career in the game. You've also got... At, uh, you know, you're putting on a tournament that is, you know, many kids' first taste of football. There's two things there that you must be incredibly proud of. What would be the the biggest, or I suppose the proudest moment that you've had since being chairman or involved in the club? You know, I'd love to say and take credit for uh, the club and uh, the Mini World Cup, but I can't. You know, it's um, the Mini World Cup pre pre precedes me, um, and it's handed over, and, and you know, a new generation of people run it every year. Um, and it is fantastic, and it's something that the whole community should be proud of. Um, and I will warn you, though, Jamie, I don't know what age your son is. You say he's on nine? He's under nine, yeah. yeah. Eight. So there is a very sad day coming. Um, unfortunately, they can only play in the, in the Mini World Cup uh, up to under 12. And uh, my son was devastated, absolutely devastated, <laughs> that he couldn't play in it anymore. Um, and that's when you're looking to get the guys to start, you know, encouraging them to help out with a team in next year's Mini World Cup. And they might grow up to become coaches and managers in the future years and, and, and get that love of not just playing the game, but being involved in the game. Um, what am I proud of? I, I have to say, because I, was, I got more involved, um, you know, get my hands dirty, you know, doing something actively in the club on the board when we applied for the license. When we had our first game, Believe it or not, it was the biggest crowd we ever had. Um, our home first home game was against Wexford. Um, and Wexford at that time were the favourites for the, the league that year. Um, came with a big reputation. 
we had, um, you know, over 1,700 people in the ground, which for League of Ireland is is pretty, pretty good you know, big crowd for League of Ireland. Um, considering the ground is a rented ground from Blackrock Rugby Club, which it, it does not have the facilities that we would like it to have in terms of spectators, um, you know, seats and covered uh, seating and all that you want. And hopefully we'll be able to get there in future developments. Um, you know, the people just came out because they wanted to see the, uh, the club um, take their place in at the National League. Um, the pitch was decidedly dodgy. It was the end of the rugby <laughs> season and we started a football season. So we, we just about got away with it from the referee. I think he was feeling um, he didn't want to spoil the party. Um, and uh, maybe the pitch played a part in it. But the, the team who were literally only together a few weeks at that stage under the uh, guidance of Eddie Gormley, our now assistant manager, was the manager. And, um, and they won. They won one nil, and and that was fantastic. And what a way to start! Um, we didn't have many <laughs> nights like that in the first year, um, but that one night kept us all going. Um, and you know, we built on it before. So, so some great days last year. We made it. You know, we progressed every single year. the The team has gone further in the League of Ireland. Uh, up to last year, we made it into the playoffs. Um, and I remember going up to the game and uh, the first playoff game against Longford in Longford. Um, we won on penalties. And um, Steve McGuinness, who was in goals for us last year, I just knew it because he, he'd saved so many penalties during the year. But once it went to penalties, we were in with a shout. And, and again, it, it happened and we got through. And that was a fantastic feeling coming back from Longford. Um, we didn't do quite so well in the final playoff game against Drogheda, but they played really well. Um, and, and and again, that it gives you the the pep in your step to go for it again and keep going um, this year. And you know we're 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 in the playoff uh, positions again this year, so maybe we go a little bit further this year. So those sort of um, achievements, um, you know, keep you going. But the biggest biggest thrill for me is to see a young player who has progressed through the junior ranks into the underage teams to get in then to the, you know, the under 17s and the under 19s and even uh, into the, uh, the senior squad. We've had players come straight from the under 17s into the senior squad. Um, we set out in this journey, not many players on our team that we assembled in that first squad came from Capintiti. Um, now over half the first team squad have come through um, the the Captain TD pathway, and as you go down the underage, more and more of those squads are Captain TD players. That for me, that's the proudest achievement. We set out to create a player pathway. The player pathway is building, and it's getting stronger every day. And that's testaments, I suppose, to the to the coaches, you know, and 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 the people that you surround in these boys with that they're able to get the right type of coaching and, and mentorship that will see them reach those, uh, you know, those pinnacles or, or those pathways. Yeah, I think it's you know Pat Devlin is our uh, director of football, um, and Pat is you know probably the most experienced, the most learned man in Ireland in terms of League of Ireland football. He's seen it, done it all. Um, and his passion, um, it's, it, it rubs off on you. Um, and he's surrounded himself with a great team of coaches. Um, and, you know, it's working. So um, I, I think it's, I'm, I'm forever uh, in awe of their ability um, to get the best out of, you know, probably the, the smallest budget in Ireland in terms of the League of Ireland, um, but certainly not the smallest heart 
um, and some of the the games, uh, you know, the the football um, has even got better. And I've seen that generally in the League of Ireland. I think the standards is getting better and better. And I think you're right. It's it's it is down to coaching. And I think the fact that you know the kids coming through now, the generation who are playing now, have had the benefit of playing at a national league level since they were 13 years old. Um, and I think it's. It's proven now that the, the quality of football at underage level in Ireland is far superior than it was in previous years. So the, the future is, is bright, not just for Cabin but I think Irish football gener- generally, the, the next generation that's coming through. If you look at the, you know, the, the, the under 21s um, that Jason Knight actually plays for, um, although he's only 19, um, you know, that squad of players uh, have got some real quality players. So, you know, they're coming next. They'll all be senior international soon. And then the next generation coming again will have that a little bit more experience playing highly competitive um, National League football. And, and that's brilliant. And that, none of that could happen without volunteers right across the, the country in every club because no club is fully professional in Ireland. Um, so people are doing this because you know they have a passion for what they do um, and they want the best for their players. And, and it's rubbing off everywhere. It's quite collegiate as well. Uh, that's the thing that I found uh, quite amazing is how much um, cooperation we're getting with other clubs in the league. Um, now under a sort of a new management in the FEI, I can see visible change of things um, getting better at the, the FEI level. Um, and I can see new developments in terms of um, how the future of uh, football in Ireland is going. Um, and we're looking at having new sponsor in the league next year and sub sponsors. Um, so you know the game is going in the right direction. Um, and I think the way people are behaving, even in, in this difficult COVID times, I think um, Irish football has actually um, led the way in terms of how you manage things uh, during COVID times. We haven't had some of the difficulties that have been seen in Gaelic games around the country. Um, I think the clubs are managing to keep a lid on the exuberance that you'd normally have. It's disappointing, but the the aim and objective is to get back playing. Football was the first sport to get back playing, um, and we're now entering the final stages of uh, the Premier League and the First Division and, and with the Cup to come. Um, hopefully we will get the season finished if um, you know things can continue in the right way. So I think it's been difficult. It's been, you know really intense for players to stop start a season again and get going again and it's been even more difficult for uh the the non-elite um players including the over 35s um that have their season interrupted um but i think um you know there is a big will and i think uh, even at government level they realize how important it is to have sport just as it is important to keep schools open and colleges going I think it's hugely important as well to allow people to get out, exercise, train and play. So I think there is going to be a balance that will have to be struck. But I think um, one thing you've got to do with COVID, and I've seen this in our, our own day job in, in, in television production, um, COVID is, is, is an awful virus and it's, it's a very debilitating uh, disease. If you get it, it can actually you know, knock you way back. However, it's a disease you can avoid. If you do the right thing, the simple things, you know, you know, keep your distances when you when you uh, you can uh, wear masks where you can and wash your hands. 
cover your face if you're coughing. Um, these are simple little things, and you've got to keep the discipline. Um, that's the way to manage it. And we've been blessed with having, again, volunteers in the club, uh, volunteering to become COVID officers and policing this. And I think every club that we've gone to uh, playing games, um, it's, it's very well looked after. And I think the, the aim and objective now has to be to keep that discipline and let's try and keep COVID at least out of our football clubs. Um, and hopefully the country can, can follow that example. I'm glad you touched on COVID in a way because I suppose I've seen firsthand, uh, you know, the 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 work that has gone on behind the scenes to keep everybody safe. And again, you mentioned, you know, the volunteers. You know, we're leaning on people like that even more now to make sure that that kids are able to train. Uh, you know, because even just saying it to my son, never mind the over 35s, which I'm devastated about, by the way, I have to say. But um, you know, saying to my son that he can't play competitive matches, you know, that was hard enough. But the fact that we've still been able to keep his training twice a week, you know, we're, we're, as we get onto the Astro, it's wash your hands. When you get off the Astro, it's wash your hands. There's there's real protocols in place. Um, and again, you know, you're right to touch on the volunteers, as I said, because they really are the lifeblood of the club and, and what's been able to keep it going in this very difficult time. Yeah, uh, and we just simply, it could not happen without volunteers. And, you know, if, if I had a, a wish for the club in the future is, um, I think it's it's a, a disease of modern life. Um, volunteerism is difficult. People are now busier than they've ever have been in the past. You have so many other distractions and so many other things that people need to do. You know, life isn't easy out there. People have got to balance, you know, sometimes um, jobs and a little of extra bits of work. And, you know, we, we just don't have as many people uh, around uh, to get involved. Um, you know, you've lots of other distractions. You have many more competing sports. You have so many more things going on. Um, there's a lot of um, distractions and um, there's a lot of competition for people's time. Um, so it gets harder. So we do really want people to think that it, there is an open door. If you feel that you want to get involved, you know, Cabin TD is a place that can um, give back to you. Um, and, and I always felt that, you know, when you're working with um, young kids and you're bringing on the next generation, you get way more out of it than you will ever put into it. Um, 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I never really wanted to, to coach. Um, I have to say, J Jamie Brennan, who I'm good friends with, and obviously you know well, um, you know, our, our boys are the same age, they play in the same team, and, and I'd come and watch my son. And I'll be honest, from a selfish perspective, I, I probably just wanted to give my, my attention to my son to start with but then slowly but surely Jamie said look just come and get involved and help help out with the, with the odd session and from there it's 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 honestly made me fall back in love with the game you get you get close with the boys you get to see them you know it's the little wins that they have in each training session you know we've been we've been pushing let's say a certain pattern of play or we've been talking to them about um, awareness or, or you know there's there's little different things that we work on each week and they may struggle at first but then there'll be that moment where the the penny drops and you can see their faces light up and it's like now they they see a whole nother side of the game and you know i i can i can list 10 20 times you know uh, you know examples of those things happening and it is so rewarding way more rewarding than it ever was playing i'll be honest i didn't really enjoy the playing side of it that much because i think when you get to a certain level 
the, the pressure and expectation takes over the fun and the freedom. Whereas with the kids, you just get to see them go out there and have as much fun as possible. And as you said, you're in an environment where it's a, com- a community club. You get to know everybody within the club. Uh, there's always smiley faces. And it is, it, it, it's even, I have to thank you for this and, and, and everybody involved in the club. My missus hates football. <laughs> absolutely hate it and for somebody that's so passionate like myself that is not an ideal situation but since my son Josh started playing at Cabin Healy she's become a full fully fledged soccer mum now that's it she is totally into it she's now she's now sharing tactics would you believe on how she thinks the boys should play so we uh, look I don't know if that's a good thing but look the fact that she now likes football is a, is, a, is a massive win now get her to get her to get more involved because one of the things we are short of believe it or not is for the mums who and and lots of mums you know have got to know football through their through bringing their kids up and seeing how much they enjoy it um, and one thing we do need more, not just in Cabinteely, but in all clubs and certainly in at senior level, we need more women involved at board level. We need more women involved, at, you know, coaching. Um, so we do need the, the women of Cabinteely to, to help out. Some of the women we have working and helping us out week in, week out, I'm telling you, they put men to shame. Um, they are fantastic at um, organization um, and just keeping things going. Um, and, you know, the great thing about, uh, the you know, when people do get involved, you know, certainly in, in groups, you know, a few friends might get together. You know, one of the things we want to do more of, and we've done it in the past, we've had some social events um, and, you know, that's when it gets really interesting because, you know, this should be just fun as well. But the, the, I think the thing that for parents and getting involved uh, in the club, um, one thing that we always had as a, a rule in, in the Bass house was um, with the kids as they're growing up, the, the one rule was very, very simple. You are going to play a sport. Yeah. Don't care what sport, but you're going to play a sport. And we, we had lots of battles. Um, and in the end, um, the, 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 the funny thing is there were tough times you know one of my girls played hockey in school and she you know during the, the winter it was really cold and she was she was not enjoying it that same girl is now you know she's 27 next birthday and she still plays hockey um, and loves it she she loves it now better than you know when she was uh, you know 11 12 years old and my son who's you know he's 22 now and he's He's gone out tonight to play up, you know, he just plays now with his mates and uh, friends. He's not playing in a um, serious league, you know, he's in college and, um, you know, he's balancing all that, but he's kept it going. And funny thing as well is that the people he hangs around with, um, they are the friends uh, he made playing football. And they are, they are a very, very close uh, community. Unfortunately, one of them um, passed away in a very sad way Earlier this year, just a few weeks ago, we lost um, Cahill Gillen, who played with my son all the way up. He was in school with him. Um, and not only did Cahill make it all the way through um, playing on uh, the underage teams, you know, um, managed by Oshin Ledwich, who's, you know, father was one of the founding fathers of the club. Um, Cahill um, uh, not only played at the underage schoolboy level, made it into the League of Ireland um, underage setup and then made his debut and played senior international football as a goalkeeper for Cabin Um Unfortunately, Cahill 
um, uh, you know, pass away in a very sad way. And um, all those guys um, who played with Cahill grew up with him, devastated. Um, but the one interesting thing was how those guys came together um, and came together for each other and for Cahill. Um, and they stood um, at his funeral up in Johnstown um, as a guard of honour in their Captain TD colours. And, you know, it is, you know, cradle to the grave. This is a community club that um, will be the mark on people's character, personality, um, and have a really deep meaning in their life. Um, and now we want to, to exude um, confidence in the kids, um, you know, manners, personality, discipline, um, and enjoyment and, and give them meaning in life. Um, and that's how, um, you know, you're a man from Liverpool and it was Bill Shankly who said it, um, you know, football's, it's, it's more important than religion. You touched on a couple of things there that, that, that rang true for me. I think sports, it, it, it teaches so many life lessons at early ages. Um, you know, and as you said, you make, you, you make friends for life. Uh, you know, you're so close to the club and you can influence and shape the future of the club. What do you see if, you know, if I, if I sat here now and said to you, you know, if you think of Cabantini in 10 years time, what type of club do you see and what would be your ambition for the club? You know, I, I really do hope that the, the club continues to grow. Um, I'm only here in a temporary capacity. The club will be handed over to the next generation and continue to grow. Um, and, and there will be new board members and there'll be new chairmen and there'll be new coaches and everything else. And I hope that in my dotage, um, I'm able to go want somebody to wheel me over in the old wheelchair to watch a game. Um, but I really do believe um, and hope that Captain Teddy can build on its success to date, um, double down on that. Um, I'd like to see some investment come into sport in general in Ireland and more especially into football and that there is a facility in the county of Dunleary, Repdown. We are the only county in the whole of Ireland where there is no elite sport facility. Every other county in Ireland has a significant um, stadium for games, even Leitrim as a county st- stadium. Um, but, so I think there's, there's a real lack here locally, and I think that has to be addressed. Um, and I'd like to see that facility um, populated with, you know, a Captain TD team representing Dunleary right down. Um, and if it's shared with, you know, another team, that's fine too. Um, and if it's shared with another sport, that's even better. Um, we've a fantastic new facility coming on stream in, in Kilbogget with the council. Um, and it's going to be a shared facility with Seapoint Rugby Club, with Cabin TD Athletics Club, and with um, Fox Rock um, uh, Gaelic Club. And that's showing how the community can not only um, get involved in their sport, in their club, but together they can make it even better for all. Um, and I think, you know, that type of community we're building here in Cabin TD, um, I hope it will grow. Um, and Cabin TD itself. Uh, it's going to explode. Uh, there's a whole housing estate being built across the dual carriageway. Um, so there is going to be even more players coming on. Um, but to be able to bring all those players into the club in the future, we need our mums and dads and brothers and sisters to come and help us. Um, because the, the, the hardest thing for us to keep this all going, keep it on track is you know financing it with support from the local businesses 
um, who have all been fantastic, but we keep on going with our handout. Um, and we'd like to think that the businesses who, who do invest locally uh, get paid back by the people here supporting them um, because it's, it's, it's symbiotic. You know, uh, you know, people who support us, we support them. Um, and I, I, you know, what I would really like to see the club in 10 years' time, I'd like to see it um, take its place into the Premier League. And in the Irish Premier League, you know, if you get into that Premier League, you're seven places away from Europe. And it wouldn't be nice to have some European football in Dunleary. What a perfect way to finish. The, that's the image. I'll, that's the message I'll be telling me soon, and I'll be I'll be remembering after tonight's podcast. Cabin Tealy in Europe. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> Larry, thank you very much for your time. It's it's very much appreciated. I know from someone who, as I said, is is close to the club like myself. It's it's great to hear the plans that you have. Um, I know from a personal perspective, it's made a big impact on myself, my son, and a lot of my friends and, and teammates who are heavily involved in the club at various different ages. So hopefully. The listeners at home have got more of an insight as to what's involved with running a club at this level. With that, thank you for listening at home. If you like the podcast, please share feedback with us on social media at Boot Room Podcast and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. As I said, we'll be doing more of these type of shows with lots of guests lined up over the season. And we'll be back with our usual podcast with myself, Al and Christy on Monday. So until then... I hope you all have a fantastic week and we will be back with you next Monday with the Boot Room Podcast. All the best.